Hi, it's Rob Shrimp from 44 Vision Hockey. 44 Vision Hockey is an online coaching platform for both boys and girls. The 44 Vision platform is a 360-degree immersive training model designed to help players achieve their goals. You can learn from the coaches who have all achieved from the highest levels in the game, all the way from NHL on the men's side to Olympic team members on the women's side. Check out our website at 44visionhockey.com. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, GEM for short, along with the GameSportsShow.com. You're currently listening to the game through one of the many media platforms, Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, as mentioned, through our website. Now getting to the special edition co-hosts that are joining me for this, and yes, I have two co-hosts tonight, and one of them not being Brandon Brooks as he's unavailable today, but I got two studs nonetheless. Firstly, an individual who is my main partner in crime since day one with the game sports show y'all know his voice the one and only scott nason scotty how's it going my friend dave doing wonderful excited to be part of this uh, show tonight looking forward to uh, talking to our guest definitely always exciting and when you're on this is your second official one and the second two less i need to get you on for many more but someone who is no stranger to a special edition being a co-host the second co-host i am mentioning here everyone knows his voice he is someone who we are very fortunate to have on our team here at the game oh and he knows his shit as well alex parr parzi how's it going man dave buddy how are you doing i'm so excited to get this interview underway what a story we have to tell in the next 45 minutes to an hour it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, obviously with the 45 minutes to an hour, I know sometimes we're not good at keeping our times, but we're going to do that today. We will try. <laughs> now getting to our special edition guest, a true inspiration in the sports world. And as Ray Ferraro put, someone who is all heart, a true definition of dedication. And as ESPN explained, it's a man who shows work, will, grit. He's a Memorial Cup champion, a Fred T. Hunt Memorial Award winner. He is the all-time games leader with the Vancouver Giants and WHL. A fourth-round pick, 97th overall by the Boston Bruins, played in 63 NHL games, over 300 professional league games. Craig Cunningham, Craig, honored that you're taking the time to come on the show tonight. Hey, guys. Uh, always a pleasure. Happy to be on. And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not sure uh, the introductory, uh, you know, I'm not sure I can, can paint the right picture of the, after that introduction. <laughs> so I'm getting a little nervous here now uh, that i got to kind of talk my way and, and uh, meet expectations. <laughs> no, you'll be, be great. Now, I just try to, my introductions, you know what, I like to try to make everyone feel, you know, a little bit better about himself, in particular Alex Parr, you know, I got to make sure that he feels very comfortable. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, getting us started with everything, we got a lot to talk about. So diving right into it, I, let's start talking about Rob Shrimp and the connection with Rob Shrimp. Now, let's be honest, you know, I, I didn't just reach out to Craig via Instagram. Yes, I have done that and had some responses, but, you know, who got us connected was Rob Rob Shrimp to get this uh, interview going, which we're very thankful. So thanks again to Robbie there. But nonetheless, a shout out to Rob and 44 Vision Hockey as you're connected to all that, Craig. So if you want to let the listeners know all about that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, definitely, you know, hockey's changing a lot, right? With all these online and, and, and uh, virtual platforms, um, you know, Rob they came up with an incredible idea to, to build this platform and, and his vision. And, um, you know, 44 Vision is is something that I'm really excited and honored to be a part of and to be part of the great team that they've got there. And, um, you know, just to, just to be around Rob and to and interact with them on, on, on zoom and, and see, you know, break down different clips and, and see the game through his eyes. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's really helped me 
develop myself and in, in uh, you know my new profession of uh, you know being involved in the game uh, away from playing. So um, it's been a great experience so far, and uh, something I'm really looking forward to, and you know hoping that we can keep building on this thing and and get more and more people involved. Definitely, you can follow it on Facebook and Instagram as well as the website. You know, as you can check out our previous edition with Rob, as he was one of our guests on the show. But Craig, how did it all you know come together with you working with Rob on his uh, 44 Vision? Yeah, just a good friend of mine um, had a connection with somebody else that was involved with the company and kind of said, hey, you know, check these guys out. This was kind of right when they started. And, you know, I did some I did a bit of a dive in on what they were doing. I thought, wow, this is this is pretty cool. And I really, you know, feel that this is the way that the world's going. And and it kind of fits with my lifestyle and um, ended up being able to get connected um, with one of the you know co-founders or co-owners and then. Um, you know, I, I'd never knew Shrempy. I, I'd played against him in the minors, um, but, you know, never knew him on a personal level. And, you know, I was able to, you know, get a call in with, with one of the other guys and connected with Rob and, um, you know, the, the rest is history. So it, it's been uh, it's been a cool uh, few months to be a part of this and, uh, you know, really looking forward to, to the way that they're building for the future. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. I wish a lot of this stuff was out. I think, Alex, God, you can, uh, you know, maybe kind of attest where the transformation about hockey schools and just the knowledge coming from great hockey players like Rob, like like Craig as well, and even with uh, Brent Sopel giving back, everything as, as such, you know, using that to your uh, resources, the youth have that nowadays where it feels like before it was just growing at that part of the eh, uh, Scott? Yeah, you know, it's good to see, you know, individuals like Craig and others giving back and helping out those youngsters because, you know, they look up to people that have, you know, made the show and won championships. So I so I think it's great what you're doing. Well, it's it's literally amazing. Uh, but overall, we're going to start right from the beginning with with starting when you played junior hockey. OK, now there's a lot of things that we can get into. Obviously, you play with the Vancouver Giants, as we mentioned, right off the hop. Uh, so. Being able to play in the WHL, that is what everyone points at in comparison to the QMJHL and the OHL. They consider the WHL being a skilled league, obviously, but also more on the tough side uh, of the junior leagues. Would you agree to that once you were when you were there uh, around 2007? Yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely in those years um, it was. I mean, it was a it was a heavier, harder, more physical league. Um, you know. I, I think the game now is trending differently, um, but definitely back then, and you know, especially when I first came to the league in 06, 07, um, that that was that was definitely the identity of the Western Hockey League um, compared to the other two um, leagues in the CHL. Yeah, it seriously is that way. But I think the WHL is, you know, just a bit more exciting because of that. You know, maybe I shouldn't say that from being from Ontario and doing cover. <laughs> but to be honest, nonetheless, uh, Alex, I'll give you the floor. I know we haven't heard your voice yet. Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about the Vancouver Giants, that rookie year was pretty fun, I bet, eh? <laughs> you know what? Uh, on a statistical standpoint, um, it was the poorest year of my career by far. Um, on the growth uh, of, of, you know, me as a hockey player and me as a person, um, you know, by far the in- most instrumental years, you know, year of my life. Um, but, you know, just coming into the league as a 16-year-old to a, you know, a star-studded team with, you know, not only – you know, really good veteran players and guys that have won and been drafted and were high on the NHL um, radar. It, you know, they had a tremendous coach there, a coach a long time in the National Hockey League, Don Hay. They had, you know, great managers and Scott Bonner and experience. So, um, you know, I was very lucky to come into an environment, um, you know, basically 
I, 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 I didn't test drive with the Toyota Camry. I kind of jumped right into a BMW and, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be, to be drafted and, and to be a part of that, uh, um, philosophy and organization as, as a young player. Now with those, I mean, with a lot of those veterans guys on that team, was there anybody that took you under their wing in that rookie year and said, come on, kid, I gotta, I gotta show you the ropes. <laughs> yeah. You know what they, like, you know, to be honest, there was like probably eight to 10 guys that kind of were like that, but, um, you know, there's two guys, uh, Milan Lucic, um, who obviously, you know, no one, no one, <laughs> a lot, good friend knows to have. he is. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a good, yeah. He, so he was one guy and he had another roommate by the name of Spencer Mahachik, um, who, who was a good Alberta boy, played in the Western League, uh, was drafted by the Atlanta Thrashers, um, played played a decent amount of games in the National Hockey League, has since gone on to, you know, continue his, his pro years in Europe. Um, but those are probably the two guys. Um, they were only two years older than me, but kind of, you know, took us young guys under their wings and, and kind of, you know, basically mentored us a little bit and, and showed us the way. You have blue cheats there, and then you obviously, I believe, if I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had Jonathan Blum as well, and Cody Franzen uh, was uh, somebody else that was there, and then uh, Don Hay was the coach, and he was a longtime coach. I know when you just started there, you were a rookie, but I believe throughout the entirety that you were uh, a part of Vancouver. I think Don was the head coach. Yeah, yeah, he was. He's, uh, I mean, I tell everyone to this day, you know, how lucky, you know, you don't get to pick the junior team that drafts you you don't get to pick who coaches you right it's just like you go where you're told and um you know, I was just incredibly lucky to get you know drafted into a, an organization such as that and then to be coached by a guy um that has had the success that he's had that has been around the block that's coached in every league that's coached hall of famers um you know just a guy that you know he's respected already and and you know he's, he's done it right it's like as a player right it's so much easier to you know, to take in information from people that have been there and they've done it. And, and, you know, I'm just lucky enough to, to be part of the organization, like I said, and to, to jump right into a head coach that had had the, you know, success at the junior level and had already coached in the American League and the National Hockey League. Oh, that's just absolutely amazing that experience that you must have had under there. And like after, while you were playing there, you had Evander Kane as well. And there, Brandon Gallagher in Vancouver. Then you, when you got dealt over to uh, Portland, that was a, pr- a pretty good roster as well. You had Ryan Johansson, Ty Ratty, Sven Barchi, um, you know, Nina Ryder, Brad Ross, Joe Morrow, Derek Pouillon, the list goes on. And, you know, maybe this is, isn't one thing I uh, should bring up, but I know it wasn't probably the way you wanted to end it. And I think I'm going to slide over to Scott. Uh, about your, uh, you know, maybe your last year in junior. Yeah, Craig, you look at that Portland team, and, and no surprise, the team in the Western Hockey League is going to have a lot of NHL players, but, you know, that was a pretty stud team that you had in Portland. You didn't win out at the end. What were your memories from playing uh, for Portland? Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, a re- like you know, I had been in Vancouver for, for four and a half years. Um, you know, uh, basically all the guys that I had grown up with, uh, in the organization had turned pro. I was kind of the only guy that came back as a 20 year old. And, um, you know, we had had a tough, tough start to the year. And in Vancouver, you know, we weren't used to losing and, um, it was kind of a weird year. Um, and then the opportunity came and they had traded me to Portland and, and getting to Portland was just like, you know, it was, after being in the same place for so long and going to a new environment, it was almost kind of like you were in a different league, you know, because everything was just a little bit different. You know, the city was different. The buildings right. were different. The practice facilities were different. The atmosphere at the rink was different. Um, so, you know, Portland was a great experience as well. And, you know, not, you know, just what a, what, what a group of players that were part of that, part of that organization and franchise. And, um, you know, it's no surprise to me that, uh, you know, since I, 
had lived there and, and been there with, with um, you know, that organization and, and the way that they work with players that, uh, you know, however, how many guys have, have moved on to National Hockey League and had success. See, you know what I don't, I think par looking into this team is that Kootenai Ice is a team that you had to lose to not to bring up any memory of. Uh, <laughs> Too late. Too sucks. But they had guys like Max Reinhardt and led by Matt Frazier. Kevin King is also another guy that might fans might remember the WHL, but your team just seemed so much deeper with Portland. Like there's a perfect example about how unique the hockey game is and how, like, honestly, I don't know if you agree, but I think Portland was uh, a lot more talented in terms of of comparisons of teams. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no question. And, uh, you know, that that one still stings a little bit uh, to to this day. Um, You know, I mean, they, they had done an incredible job putting that roster together. I mean, the, the amount of skill um, was, it was, you know, something that had never been a part of before. It, it was, it was unbelievable. And, um, you know, we just, it was, I don't know, man, it's just like, you know, you play hockey, right. And you watch hockey and it's momentum, right. The game is momentum and everything's about momentum. And it just, it just felt like we, we, we couldn't get anything going in that series, you know, like it's just like any, you know, they, they wouldn't give us any time and space. You know, they were so tight defensively. You know, Mc, Braden McNabb was absolutely That's miserable to play against in that series. And, um, you know, they were well coached. They played their system well. Um, they added Cody Eakin at the deadline. And, you know, he, he, he played incredible in that series. And I think, you know, he was the real difference maker of, of uh, the end result. You know what, there's some names I always forgot. McNabb is a huge ad. But there's one thing I kind of want to rewind with for one second. is about Milan Lucic, okay? Obviously, him being there when he won your first year. Is he as, let's say, animated as it seems? Like, is he that guy or is he a gentle giant? And I don't mean to throw you on the spot with that, but, like, he seems like he'd be just a guy on the ice who'd have a great time just hanging out with. But when you play against him, you just hate playing against him. Yeah, I mean he's in, he's a, he's an incredible person away from the rink. Um, you know, kind of was like a big brother to me. Um, not only through my years as a junior, but also you know he was part of the Boston Bruins. I got drafted there, and yep. you know he was a big piece of that team as well when I came in there. So um, yeah, he, he's a big gentle teddy bear off the ice. He's a great person, a great mentor and leader. And uh, you know when he gets to the rink, man, and he puts the work boots on, uh, the the switch flips, and um, you know you don't want to be in those trolley tracks. Oh, no, I could just imagine. Some people fell victim to that. But overall, transitioning from junior, uh, you get drafted, right? It would, like I mentioned, to the Boston Bruins. Like, and we asked all our guests this, is that getting drafted, like, go through that process, how that felt for you. And then also, uh, can you recall any other teams that may have contacted you uh, in terms of having interest about drafting you? Um, okay. So I was a draft plus two, right? So I, I didn't get drafted my first year eligible. I didn't get drafted my second year eligible. Um, I did go to the New York Rangers development camp, um, as an undrafted guy, my 18 year old year. Um, and then I got drafted my third time and my last time eligible through the draft as a 19 year old. So I, I ended up being a draft plus two. Um, so it was, uh, you know, it was like, I'd been in the league for four years already, right? A lot of my close friends and teammates had already been drafted and I, you know, I just seemed to slip through the cracks uh, every year. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I wasn't sure like when I, you know, I was ranked pretty high. I had had a really good year, but I was 19 years old, you know, I was two years older than most of the guys in the draft and we weren't sure, you know, when I was going to get drafted, if I was going to get drafted and, 
you know, my agents and I, we, we decided that it was best for me not to go to the draft. Um, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, these poor kids that they sit through the draft and you never get drafted, right? Like, the, that's that's not something I was wanting to sign up for. And, you know, that was the advice I was given. So I flew home to trail and kind of watched it on the computer with my with my family and um, still remember, you know, you're watching it virtually, right? So, you know, my phone rings and it's just like I hadn't even seen the pick come up yet. And, you know, they called. I, I, I can't remember. I think I can't remember who who, it, who initially called me, if it was the head scout or the assistant general manager. Um, but I remember talking to Cam Neely on the phone and, uh, oh. you know, a BC boy and, and a guy that, you know, you just hear, hear these legendary nice. stories about him was an incredible player. So um, I, I do remember talking to him and, and uh, you know, the, the Vancouver connection and the connection with Lucic, it all kind of came together for me. So that was kind of my, my draft experience. It wasn't, uh, you know, like these, the, the highly touted guys that get the three-piece suit and tie and they, they go sit in the stands there with, with their family and wait for their name to call. And then they, you know, they do the walk of fame. So <laughs> my experience was a little different than that, but, uh, you know, an, an incredible day and a huge honor uh, nonetheless. Yeah, it's been fantastic. You got the call from Cam Neely. Kick his ass, Seabass, if you will. Okay. <laughs> but Scotty, sliding over to you about uh, you know the whole draft process and uh, getting that name called and everything. Well, you know, growing up in Trail, British Columbia, Craig, uh, you at an early age wanted to play hockey and professionally. At any point during your journey to getting drafted, did you think, you know, especially being a plus two at a, as a 20-year-old, did you think maybe it's not in the cards, or did you always have faith that, you know, someone was going to draft you and you'd be playing in the NHL? Well, I mean, to be honest, like, I, you know, I always kept the faith that I believed in myself um, and mm-hmm. that I was going to get everything I had, um, you know, to try and get that traction and get that opportunity. Um, you know, did a couple of, you know, did I have some doubts in my own mind? Like, Oh man, is this ever going to happen for me? I, I did. Um, sure. but you know, I can truly say with the, with the big picture that, you know, I, I never really stopped grinding and, and believing in myself. Um, you know, it was just the challenge was trying to get other people to believe in you. Right. And yeah. you know, I always tell guys nowadays, like, you know, the first step is you got to believe in yourself, right? Like, no one else is going to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself. So I, I had the first step. Um, I, I wasn't sure when or if the second step was going to come. But, I, you know, I did make my mind up that I was going to have no regrets at the end of junior. Um, if I didn't get an opportunity, it wasn't from a lack of, of trying and a lack of self-belief. Uh, you know, and it's it, that's the whole point. But there's always someone who is you know, in the draft that may not even – there's some people that go undrafted and make it. And you know what? I had – multiple guests on here say that getting drafted is there's the thrill of that etc but it's not always end up y'all it's just the beginning right that's just the beginning when you get drafted essentially even if you had a long uh, and grueling junior career that you you know when you get that name or that phone call or even if you get that sign at camp that is just the start of things to come you know that there's a there's always an analogy that I always live by that I always felt was amazing, especially in the Sioux. Every time you drive five kilometers down the road, there's a hockey player who wants it more than you. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the story in Canada, right? That's just the, uh, and obviously you showed that pure heart to work your way and get that opportunity uh, to play the professional level. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's two ways, there's two ways to, to look, to look at it. One is that, you know, not every 17 year old kid, right? This year it's the 2002s or the late old ones that are going to get drafted, right? Like yeah. kids mature at different times, right? Like just because your line mate or your neighbor or your best friends getting drafted this year in the second round and, you know, you go undrafted, you know, everyone has their own path, right? And everyone climbs the mountain at different, at different uh, speeds. And, and it's just, 
you know, when, when you think about it, it's all about the big picture. Right? It's like, where do you end up, you know, and where, like who plays the longest, where do you stick? Right. It's all about like, everyone has their own developmental curve. And, you know, I think it's great competition wise to push yourself and to, and to, you know, uh, judge yourself based on your peers, but it can't be the end all be all just because, you know, we all develop at different, different stages, you know, like sometimes 17 year old kids, they're men, right? Like they, they are, they're men. Like when I was 17, I was a child. Right. And, you know, we all catch up eventually, but you, you really never know, you know, like I, I, I just feel like you can't, you know, and it's so hard to do, especially as parents and stuff, you know, like your best friend, you know, can get drafted and you, you're happy for him and you're excited for him. But at the same time, you're just like, wow, that's, you know, this is for me, you know, but it's all about, you know, the development path and, you know, everyone develops at different stages and, and stuff like that. So it's, you know, and, and getting drafted is, is awesome and it's a great experience, but it's not the end all be all. I mean, you look at Tyler Johnson, right, in Tampa Bay, right? He undrafted um, and played all five years in the Western Hockey League. Now look at him. Now he's a, you know, a star in the National Hockey League. So, you know, we all have different paths. We all have different opportunities and, you know, we all have different timelines. And I think that's really important to understand. And, and that's a good way to keep your hopes alive and to keep your own self-belief alive. Like that is fantastic. Park, one of you. Inspirational stuff for sure, but when it comes to the 13-14 season, you had three great seasons for Providence, and Boston says, we're going to give you a look. What did the day leading up to your NHL debut feel like? Was it all nerves? Was it all ex- all excitement? What was it? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Yeah, a, l- a little bit of both. Um it was it was kind of a weird weird experience like it's like i can't even really remember it you know like you know like you, you know it's like oh, i blocked out you know i don't remember it mm-hmm. um i i don't really remember it all i remember is that my it was against calgary um and my one of my best friends from junior and my line mate lance poma was was you know i was playing against him so that was a pretty cool experience and my brother and my mom had to fly all the way from the west coast in Canada to get to Boston in the middle of the winter. Um, so I remember being so nervous that they weren't going to be able to get through. I can't believe, can't remember they connected Minneapolis or, or Denver, one of the big, or maybe Chicago, one of the big hub cities. I remember being incredibly nervous, you know, that they weren't going to be there. Um, but, you know, I guess it, it really is kind of like a whirlwind, right? And the game goes by and it's like, oh man, you know, I remember just kind of sitting there being like, you know, you feel like an F-350 got lifted off your back um, and like, oh, I, I finally did it. Um, but un- unfortunately, I wasn't able to stick and, and to make a, a career. And that's a story for a different time. But um, was definitely um, an incredible moment, a, a huge honor. And, and man, to play in TD Garden and, and to play for the Boston Bruins, um, you know, just what an honor, man. And, and what a what a thrill for, for me and my family. Did Aww. Lucic have any advice for you before uh, game one? <laughs> you know, just kind of the old standard. Like, hey, man, you know, just kind of you know, just play your game. You know, you're here for a reason and, and you know, try and calm down. And, you know, it was, you know, in in a sense, it was calming a little bit to know that, like, you know, I, I was close friends with a, you know, with a good player on the team. And, you know, it just kind of like calmed you down a little bit. Right. Like you always want to be accepted. Right. And you always want people to like, you know, OK, oh, it's just another young guy. Right. Like you always want to feel like you belong. And. Um, that helped a little bit in, in easing my nerves, um, the relationship with him and obviously the advice, you know, he'd been there, done it. He'd been in that organization for years. And um, so he did give me some some valuable advice um, and it comforted me a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't have two and one in the game. So maybe his advice could have been a little better, I guess. 
But, you know what? Honestly, like, in, in talking about playing with the Bruins, you know, I saw your first goal. It was uh, shown, obviously, in multiple videos. But you got you were against the Ottawa Senators, if I remember correctly, your first goal. And you snuck it just through the wickets on a, <laughs> a clapper, okay? On a half clapper. And I think it was Sandano Chara. And let me, you know what? Boston Bruins, there's a team that anyone can say whatever they want about it. And myself, Alex, taking off our host hats here for a second. We are Leaf fans. So obviously, we're sucker for pains, especially when we talk about the Bruins. Always hits that sore spot, especially when 2013 is ever brought up. But overall, you know, you have that team that this almost pains me to say, but just a fantastic team. You know, I'm, I, I got to say, it, you got Bergeron, you got Marchand, Pasta. Okay, not only is his hair band, Fantastic. He's a fantastic hockey player. Uh, and then, then Daniel Chara, you know, what a beast. Okay, the, the, what a beast. And, like, he was on the ice when you scored your first goal. Can you kind of, like, play what's going through your mind? Like, listen, I can tell you from being a previous hockey player, going down the wing, holding the puck, sometimes like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. But, like, <laughs> I don't think you're that type, right? Like, I think you had that puck. You look confident. You wound up, and you let that clapper go and snuck through the wickets. Must have just been pumped. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It was uh... – like, I had to watch it again to, like, remember what happened, you know. And, um, I mean, what a lucky goal, though. Like, and, you know, I, I took a clapper from the top of the circles and it went 5-0, like, basically along the ice, you know. I'm like, you know, I, I remember I got all these texts after the game, like, oh, congrats, congrats. And then, like, some of my really close friends I play with, they're like, wow, are you kidding me? Like, I've, <laughs> I've seen you shoot the puck 2,000 times. I've never seen you do that. Like, come on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just, I mean, you know, it was a great – you know, a, a, a memory and, and something that I'm very proud of uh, to this day. Um, you know, some, you know, I guess you got to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. So I guess we'll leave it at that. But, um, you know, just, you know, being able to score an NHL goal and, and to be in TD Garden and to be shorthanded and to have, uh, you know, those guys on the ice with you. It was, uh, you know, just something that I'll never forget and, and something I'm extremely grateful to, to, to have been a part of. You know, before I transition over to Scott to uh, continue this, but there's one thing I'll even bring up because now he's getting the break as the coach. Well, I shouldn't say now because it's not like it's recent or anything. He's been the head coach of the Bruins now, uh, part of the staff for about almost five years. This would have been somebody's fifth year. But Bruce Cassidy, there's a guy that you know was a was a head coach in Washington in the early thousands. I'm not sure if listeners even know that, uh, but he was a, he was a head coach there before he was a coach in Chicago. Then he went back to the OHL. Then he went to the AHL with Providence, and he was with Providence from the 2008-2009 uh, season up until 2015-2016. So now he's getting in Boston. You were not there when he was there, if I'm correct, but you, there's a guy that coached you and is finally getting his break as a coach and being very trusted and doing very well in Boston. Yeah, um, you know, again, like, you know, extremely lucky to be drafted to to an incredible organization with, with really good leadership, right? Like, you know, uh, uh, Butchie's first year uh, as a head coach was my first year playing pro um, and what a privilege it was to be able to play for him and um, you know talk about a, an intelligent hockey guy man like this guy his pre-scouts his video sessions his practices his detail like it was incredible like I, I still to this day like you know one of the s smartest hockey men I've ever met and, and you know being able to be coached by him and be in video sessions with him and, and you know, see the game through his lens um, was, was awesome. And uh, you know, he's, 
he's climbed the ladder um and and he's doing an incredible done an incredible job at every level and um you know now obviously he's guiding the boston bruins and he's doing an extremely good job and um you know i'm not surprised for one bit um i'm really happy for him and um you know a great person and, and a guy that i still keep in touch with today and um you know i i, I love the bruins still and then i want them to do well so I, I you know keep pushing for them and every game i catch on tv um i i do definitely scotty yeah, after that, Craig, a couple seasons in Boston, you go out to where you're currently at in Arizona to play for the Coyotes. And I want to talk about a couple of the guys in that locker room. One of my favorite all-time players, Shane Doan, along with Oliver ekman Larson. How was it a, playing with them? And just what, what what can you say about the experience with those two individuals? Yeah, I mean, again, just, uh, you know, lucky enough, you know, lucky to be on the ice and in the room with those guys. I mean... Shane Doan is, you know, he's an incredible human being. He, he's yep. one of the best people I've, I've, you know, if not the best person I've ever met in my life. Like all the stories you hear about him and like, he's that good. You know, he really is that good of a person. I mean, he, he came, you know, he was always good to me when I was on the team and on the road, inviting you to dinner, taking care of the young guys. Like he always put other people before him. Um, and I'll never forget uh, when I when I got sick and I was in rehab, um, him and his wife cooked up, uh, I can't remember if it was a full chicken or something. And they drove down to my rehab facility in Tucson, which is about a two-hour drive, and spent almost the entire day with, with me and my, my mom down there in, in, in rehab. Like, that's, you know, that's that's Shane Doan. That, that's how good of a person he really is. Absolutely. His leadership, yeah. and I think, Scott, this might hit kind of close because this is your team, but his leadership stems a lot and feels like he's a lot like a Steve Eiserman. You know what I mean? That's Very much so, yep. I when agree. I, when I see that leadership, uh, and you may, uh, I know, uh, obviously, you can agree or not, Craig, but I, I think that leadership that he has uh, with the skills that he has really stems from someone like Stevie Y. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had the luxury of being able to watch Stevie Y on TV um, and before I even really knew um, you know, what, what leadership was and, and, you know, what it takes to win. Um, now looking back and, and hearing all the stories. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess you could put donor in that, in that category. Um, you know, I wasn't lucky enough to, to share a locker room with, with Steve Eisman, but um, again, I can't say good enough, enough good things about Shane Doan um, as a person, as a leader and as a hockey player. See, now there's a team that I can give a shout out to uh, Paul Bizonette, who is a friend of Brooksy's. Uh, that, and obviously everyone knows what spitting chiclets is. If you don't, then I don't, I don't know what you're doing. But nonetheless, that there's a fan of the Arizona Coyotes. Okay, and I love the original jerseys in Arizona. Flat out, I'm just gonna say it. The original logo, the original jersey, doesn't love that. But there's a hockey community that is, you know, everyone chirps. Like and wonders why you know they're not like a Toronto right for fan bases or a Boston or or, or Detroit stuff like that. The fan base isn't as uh, pure or powerful as that. But there's a community that is you know truly starving to have a successful uh, organization and just there's a lot of people like in Arizona like they remember back when Mike Smith was the goalie there and and obviously that run that one time that they had in the playoffs the fans were there they were supporting when they had the whiteout there in Arizona so would you be able to talk about the fan base in there at all when you played or or like what is just that hockey community like in Arizona because from what I understand and some players that are even down there currently I know someone who is actually playing down in the Arizona region right now and is actually a fan of Arizona and being there and that he also has mentioned that the that's fan base is starving for that success. 
Yeah, I mean, um, there, there is definitely a market down here. I mean, look at, you know, Austin Matthews, arguably, you know, maybe yeah. not arguably the best player in the world right now is from Arizona, right? It's like, so there, there's a there's a hot, bit of a hockey hotbed. Guys are starting to come out of here. Um, you know, they're putting together, you know, the minor hockey programs are huge, right? There's a lot of NHL alumni guys that live here, right, that have kids that have started coaching, Um so, so there's an environment here. There, there is a market. Um, you know, I think that the fans are just starving, you know, for success. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, they've got the things moving in the right direction there and hopefully they can keep trending, uh, trending up. And, um, you know, obviously the more you win, the more you fill the building, the more fans you get, um, you know, and the more fans you get, the more people exposed to hockey, you know, the more people want to play hockey. And, you know, I think Arizona is just kind of, scratching the surface right now on on minor hockey and, and kids getting involved in the programs here and um you know a lot of that is driven by by the nhl team right and and uh so it's coming along here slowly um but uh, they're they're working real hard at it and they've done a pretty good job so far the yeah, empire going over to you now with uh no when he ends up uh, when uh, craig ends up playing in tucson i mean you scored the first goal in franchise history that's got to be kind of cool <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's uh you know now now and I, I never thought about it at the time um but they gave me the puck and stuff after like I, I think dave andrews gave me the puck it was supposed to go to like the hl hall of fame or something i i can't remember the story but he, he ended up giving me the give me the puck raise the first goal in franchise mm-hmm. history and um so yeah it was uh you know it was really cool to be a part of it down there and um you know man what a I tell the guys all the time, man, like how lucky they are to, to to play in the American Hockey League in Tucson, Arizona, man. Like, are you kidding me? Like the living, the the weather, you know, every day is a good day, man. You know, even if you have a tough day at the rink, I'm telling you, man, the day, the minute you walk out those doors and that sunshine and like, you know, there's no bad days or, or there definitely shouldn't be. And you try and try and uh, drive into guys, you know, how lucky they are, um, you know, to be part of uh you know, played in the American Hockey League in, in that city, in in, in that uh, environment. Do you oh. still have the puck then? <laughs> you know what? I, I do. I have it somewhere. I think it might be in my storage unit, um, but I still do. Uh, my first NHL goal, the puck and the stick is at home um, at my mom's house. And I, I have the first American Hockey League goal. And, um, you know, I've moved around a few times since my injury and stuff. So I, I got a box in storage and I... You know, I, I'm really open. It's in there. They know now that I think about it, I'm thinking, oh, man, it better be in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't come to your door saying we're like uh, any we're from the AHL Hall of Fame. Please. Yeah. Com- we're coming to confiscate our puck back. <laughs> <laughs> they show up at the door, just knocking with their masks on now, being like, hey, uh, we're not leaving until we get this. Uh, the puck and stick back, by the way, we need it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, in Tucson, when you're there, you you know, you're the captain there, as uh, Par mentioned, and all that. You're part of the inaugural season there. Uh, and it's going to lead us into our next topic, as I know a lot of people are familiar with, with knowing your backstory. So actually, I'm going to let Scott uh, kick it off with uh, the one day that, you know, that you'll you know never forget that happened in your life. Yeah, Craig, uh, November 19th, 2016, uh, you know, it was probably like any other game, I would imagine, uh, beforehand, and then in the pregame, well, obviously, anybody that knows you and and knows the story knows what happened. Uh, What do you recall from that day? I know it must be very tough after, you know, everything that happened, but do you have any memory of what happened that day? 
You know, I no, I I I have no memory really of what happened that day. Like I hardly remember even playing in Tucson. Like it's just like wow. the only the only thing I remember about that particular weekend was um I had flown my mom was in town and uh, for the weekend. So um that's kind of the only real memories I have of prior to the incident. Like I I hardly even remembered you know where I lived in my apartment after I came out of my injury. I definitely didn't really much remember much about playing and, and being a part of the team. Like I remember like thinking like, Oh, did I play in that rink or like, man, what was I, was I on that road trip? Um, so just a, a lot of like real foggy, foggy moments. Um, I do remember a little bit of a training camp in Tucson and getting things started up there and, you know, how excited I was to now be in the Western conference in the American league and to play in this great city. And, and, you know, I do remember that sort of stuff, but, uh, a lot of it is is quite foggy there. Definitely the start um, prior to the injury. Well, I couldn't imagine part going on you. Well, I mean, now that you're kind of looking at life after hockey, what kind of things are, do you want to stay involved with the sport and maybe a manager role, a coaching role, or anything like that? Or are you going? Nope, I'm done. Time to hit the links. Time to kick the feet up, have a beer. What's the uh, plan now for Craig Cunningham? No, man, I, I absolutely love the game. Um, you know, the game gave me, you know, outside of the, you know, what my family gave me as a young guy, the game has given me everything. And, you know, it's given me all my friends. It's given me, you know, you know, it's taught me lessons that I never would have learned. And it's, it's you know, exposed me to people that I would have never been exposed to. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I love the game. The game's given me everything. And, you know, now I want to get back to the game. You know, I want to, you know, I, I, my, I think the end goal for me is to get up into, you know, the front office of, of some NHL organization. And, uh, you know, right now I'm just just searching for, for the right opportunity and, you know, the right ladder to, to you know, take my first step with, uh, you know, moving forward here. So, um, you know, I don't necessarily know exactly uh, what the future holds for me, especially with COVID and, and trying to find new opportunities right now has it, been a bit of a difficult challenge. Um, I do know. What I want to do is, is definitely in hockey. Um, I just am not exactly sure where in the game um, it is yet and, you know, with who. <laughs> no, and that, that will especially all come as you're, you know, still that's still fresh with everything that has happened. And you know what, like you were an, a young athlete who was in pristine condition. And I'm trying to blow, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass or anything like that. But <laughs> as the firefighter said on the ESPN feature and then obviously, which was well communicated on the TSN feature, it was uncertain what was happening on the ice with you right away, right? They started the chest compressions and rushed you to the hospital where Dr. Zane Calpe, hopefully I pronounced that right, because I usually, I'm well known for butchering last names. No, uh, you did. <laughs> there we go. And was was called in. And then the, in the meantime, nurse and medical staff were doing CPR on you to the point of where your heart stopped for 83 minutes, right? And Dr. Zane Calpe uh, comes in, does the work, realizes he has to decompress your heart and a surgery that's only been done twice in history prior to that. And when you awake, as the feature said, you were a little confused because, and as you can hear on it, the first person you saw was Dr. Zane Calpe, right? And I think you, your emotions were running high when you first saw him. <laughs> well, you know what? This is all like, again, right? This stuff is like, you know, I think the brain does this thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not quite, maybe I start reading a couple more books about the brain, but like, I feel like it shields you, you know, from like a lot of these like horrific memories that you may have or experiences. And, um, so the story goes, you know, that he had just done some sort of procedure on me and I was in the recovery room and I think one of the leads had fallen off my chest and he like reached over to, to 
fix it or something, I grabbed him by the scruff of his shirt or, you know, you know, in a, in, a, in an uncomfortable area and, you know, asked him, who the heck are you and what are you doing? And um, so, again, there's nothing I can act specifically remember, but um, I, the story has been told to me countless times. And, um, you know, I don't know how many of you guys have ever been in the ICU and on these uh, intravenous pain meds. Um, but, you know, my I, I got some stories that were told to me. Um, after uh, the incident and after things had settled down a little bit that, um, you know, I had made some comments that I'm definitely uh, not overly proud of, I guess is the way to say it. Well, and that, that would obviously happen when you wake up, you don't know what has happened. I know there's a lot of emotion running with your uh, with your mother as, as well, because uh, watching those features, which were amazing features, I'm going to bring that up pretty often, that ESPN and TSN features on YouTube. I know Ray Ferraro, who you're a good friend with, was was uh, uh, the background, was the voice, the narrator of, uh, of that feature. But overall, when all that happened, and there's going to be, an, there was another unfortunate incident that happened. But before we jump into that, I want to stick with the kind of the heart screening process that you were kind of involved with. Uh, like, are you still involved there with uh, Dane Zane Calpi with doing a lot of that kind of screening in the NHL or trying to promote that? Or was, uh, like, did that team that you guys had together to get that awareness up or has that kind of moved on? No, um, you know, obviously like like basically the whole world you know everything is kind of in limbo and in pause right now right like there's a lot of other things that they're you know it's, un- unfortunately i'm like you know i don't quite have the credentials to be the engineer and the cardiac surgeon and uh you know the brains of the board um so <laughs> um we're still chipping away at this thing and um you know, this is something that is obviously you know no pun intended near and dear to my heart and something i really believe in and um you know something i never want someone else to try and go through so um, if you can ever do anything to to try and prevent these things to hap- from happening to people um, when it comes to screening and and uh, um, prevention, um, I'm all in, and that that's the the main goal of uh, the All Hard Foundation. And um, like I said, we're still chipping away at things, and uh, you know, and I don't think we're gonna stop. Uh, you know, maybe ever, <laughs> um, oh. as long as uh, things keep moving ahead here and as technology changes, right? Like you know, we live in a technology world, right? And it's almost like every six months, you know, there's new stuff coming out. And, um, so it's not moving quite as quickly along as we, we would have hoped. Um, but yes, uh, still very involved and, and, uh, you know, we're going to get this thing up off the ground here when, when we're ready and, and when the time's right. See, and then with all that, there's a lot of instances that happened with players, uh, obviously Yurtson being very severe, but even most recently, uh, Jay Bowmeister in St. Louis, right? There's, it's just, it's it is happening and it's also even happening to youth players around uh, in both America and Ontario and throughout the world where it has to be brought to attention because it's serious and then trying to determine what are the causes what can be deterred from it it's just amazing what you're doing getting getting back to that issue that you know trying to get that awareness up for the importance of you know recognizing the, your your body or when that does happen what can be done to protect young and athletes overall in general but sliding towards another unfortunate that occurred for yourself as well is that you also had an infection and you had to have your leg uh, amputated uh, which given your heart condition brought forward much fear for that healing kind of process right yeah um yeah it was uh, i mean my whole body wasn't healing at the time right it was just uh you know, I, I, I was a mess, you know, I was alive, but you know, like there was just, there wasn't a lot going on there. Um, you know, with you know, my cardiovascular system, I hadn't recovered yet. And, you know, I wasn't getting blood flow pumped to all the areas I needed to, to help me with recovery. And, um, 
yeah, so eventually, um, you know, they held on to the leg as long as they could. Um, I remember every morning they'd come in and change the dressing on it. And, uh, you know, I had these fasciotomy sites um, where they had to kind of cut cut through the tissue to relieve some pressure because it was so swollen. And, um, you know, I remember looking down a couple of times when the doctors came in and changed the dressing. And it looked like, uh, you know, you know when you go fishing and you catch the fish and, and you, you split it open and you go to gut it, right? And you, you open it up and you see that nice pink tissue in there. Well... Okay. Um, that was what I was seeing, uh, when I was looking down at my leg and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was scary and I didn't quite understand it at the time, why, and you know, what was going to happen. And, um, eventually they held on to it as long as it could open that I gained, uh, some functionality back in it and that it started to heal again. And, um, I ended up getting sick and, uh, you know, I think I had a fever like 103, 104 for, you know, eight days or so before, they decided that it was too risky to, to hold on to the limb. Um, you know, even if they recovered, they're not sure, you know, if I'd even get 25% back, um, you know, function in it. So um, in order to kind of save my heart, uh, you know, from, from, from having to fight off an infection in my bloodstream, um, you know, they, they basically gave me the choice of should I, if I could get an amputated, but um, the way it was explained to me, um, you know, it was really not a choice for me. It was just something that I had to do if I wanted to, you know, keep breathing the air that we're all breathing yeah i know that that is just unbelievable you know and then the great job for painting the picture with the fish as by the way you know i get it i've never really <laughs> fished. uh but but I, I i do recognize that because my dad used to fish and that's that image now you know that i don't think that could have been explained any better now overall all this happens right and then you know you i, I like that feel good post that spit and chickless had you know actually I actually remember when they uploaded that, and I hit like on it, by the way. No big deal, just flat out saying that. I, I saw that, and I look back to it today, and it's just a great story that, you know what, after all this, you know, you're able to, you know, put on skates now and and skate and do something that you love. And like we mentioned at the beginning, you're giving back to the hockey community of being a part of 44 Vision. So <clears throat> with Having that opportunity to get back on the ice, you know, there's obviously video of it with your first time going on the ice, and even now with that spin chicklets upload, seeing you skate strides and you're uh, you're still got the speed on you, you know, like talk about <laughs> the process from that first day and the patience, right? Like, oh my God, I could just imagine you going on that ice the first time, the excitement, but then not being able to do the same that you did when you played, but now even to now, the improvement that you showed from that. Yeah, um, I think I've described this. I feel like I've described this moment so many times. Though. It's just like, you know, you're so excited to get out there. And, you know, it was just like, you know, uh, some of it too, man, was just like, I wanted people to leave me alone. You know, stop asking me when I'm going to get on the ice. You know, it was just like every single day. Like, I wanted to say, hey, I'll get on the ice when I'm ready. You know, like, it's just like I'm dealing with a lot here. You know, I can just, you yeah. know, lace them up and get out there and start, start taking a couple of hot laps before practice, you know. So I'm like, um, <laughs> So, you know, a part of it, part of it was, you know, it was rushed, right? The process was rushed a little bit. So, um, you know, I guess the first part of it was I kind of wanted people to stop asking me and then leave me alone a little bit. And the second, the second part of it was, um, you know, I wasn't, you know, it, it was great to get out there and stuff, but man, what a, like, it just like drained me, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, imagine going on, you know, from skating you know, and I'm not going to lie, you know, skating was never, you know, my forte was probably what kept me out of, uh, you know, drinking, drinking a full uh, liter of coffee and only having a cup up there in the NHL. But um, so it was just it was so um, mentally like, wow, 
geez, like, this is what it's going to be like now, you know, I kind of, like, had that moment, like, oh, man, last time I was on the site, so I was, you know, playing in the American Hockey League at, you know, the second highest level in North America, and, you know, now I can't even take a stride, like, wow, this is, like, you know, kind of embarrassed, kind of, like, you know, there was lots of TV cameras around, it was well documented, you know, and everyone's like, oh, great job, you know, great job, and, Again, you know, like now I'm happy I did it, you know, for, for the mental barrier and to show and to prove that I did it. Um, but it, at the time, you know, when I got off the ice, it was it was pretty, um, you know, emotionally draining, I guess, if is the right way to describe it. You know, I'll flat out say that now the way you've grown and like in terms of getting back to what you were, I still think you're faster than Biz ever was. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, no comment. <laughs> smart man, smart man. <laughs> Scotty, uh, transition to you. Craig, at any point uh, during this process, were you angry? Were you uh, upset? Why did this happen to me? And if you were, what were some of your coping mechanisms to to try to get through it? Because obviously you had a lot of will and determination to get back on the ice and, you know, and, and try to get back to some sense of normalcy. Uh, how did you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you that, like, I didn't have some days where I just said, holy fuck, like, what, what, like, what is this, you know, like, good God, like, it just felt like every barrier, you know, you finally broke through something, like, something else came in there and punched you in the face, you know, and it was just like, you know, there was a lot of ups and a ton of downs, um, you know, I, I think, like, my whole family was there, like, my mom was there the whole time, you know, my family was there, my friends were there, my teammates were visiting me every day, all the teams that came in on the road were visiting me and it just, you know, it was, it was just like the support man from, from family and friends. And, you know, like I, I moved away from when I was 15, you know, and I like, you know, when I was sick and, and still in the coma, I'm you know, like 10 or 11 of my childhood friends, you know, that I hadn't lived at home and, you know, grown up with for like 12 or 13 years all flew down and they were all there. And, um, you know, my mom tells the story that, the, the day they took the breathing tube out, um, you know, they went and celebrated. They all went to dinner and uh, the boys, uh, you know, mixed in a couple drinks that night. And uh, I guess they were all drinking those Moscow meals, you know, in those copper cups. And uh, my mom said the fellows got pretty intoxicated and uh, a few of the boys decided it was a good idea to steal the uh, the copper mugs. And, uh, you know, obviously not not the sharpest thinking at the time and probably thought they were a little deeper in their pockets and they got up, I guess, and, you know, a bunch of cups are dropping on the floor. The waitress <laughs> is just like, uh, guys, um, you know, you, you can't take those with you. <laughs> um, Great answer. So, yeah, no, it's just, just the support, man, from, from my, from my network of, you know, people that, you know, I had grown up with in the hockey community and, um, you know, it was just, it was a collective effort and, uh, you know, honestly, man, to see some of the pain that the other people felt, um, you know, I could just feel their pain emotionally, like when they're visiting me, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't want people to, to feel that pain for me anymore. You know, I just, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how other people feel like it affects you, right? Like if you're hanging out with someone that you care about and you know that they're not doing well, you know, it hurts you, right? And, and, and it, and it it affects your day and, and your thought process. And I, I, I didn't want that to aid in any negative, you know, emotions from the people that were there to support me. And um, that was kind of the way I looked at things. And, um, you know, just incredibly lucky to have the support of my friends and family and, and the hockey community, um, you know, in at that time and, and how, how supportive they really were. 
See, and given a kind of a lighter thing about the Moscow Mule for a second, I have never had the luxury of having one. Uh, and honestly, I'd like to know how good it is, one. And two, like, I, like, they need to start getting these drinks here in the Sioux more locally. And if someone has, a, has like, an option that does it, it's literally just, I think it's vodka, spicy ginger beer, and I think a juice. I think it might be lime juice, if I remember at the top of my head. Because I know some buddies that are, you know, that like it a lot and talk about it a whole bunch. So it's obviously a well-known drink. But having those copper cups, okay, that's kind of the whole steeple around it right that's the image of that moscow mule like you need to have that cup i think right yeah i mean uh you know that was kind of my drink of choice uh when i was out with the guys and you know just having a couple um was the moscow mules and it was almost man like they didn't taste the same um out of a non-copper mug um you know if that sounds that sounds right it was just like you know that was the drink like without the copper cup uh you know it wasn't a moscow mule to me and it it, it almost felt like it it just tasted different And I think it was on Better Call Saul, that drink, if I remember correctly. I don't know if anyone watches Better Call Saul or has seen that. But, uh, like, obviously, I think that is a drink that him and Kim Wexler, like, uh, obviously, Saul and Kim Wexler drink when they go to that bar. But, I, you know, getting a little off topic here. I just I, yeah, yeah. awesome that you brought up the Moscow Mule. I know that. Yeah, I just, just, I'm just going to be honest. Like, when, you, when you're ready to, to get to take the cups home, like, just be, be ready. They, they, they make a loud ting when, if you drop it. So, uh, you know, make sure you got your extra strategy figured out before you decide to take those babies home. You can't just put that under your shirt. You got to, like, somehow, you know, cut open the side of your leg or put something in your pocket, then sew it back up on the spot. You're basically going to need, like, a, a grandparent sewing kit there or something to bring with you so you can kind of stitch into your pants so it doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would recommend just Amazon priming um, one of those babies, getting it legally, um, getting it safely, and not having to, you know, figure out the uh, the exit strategy and uh, you know where where everything is. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, steals the puck from the Hall of Fame, stealing cups from restaurants. When does it stop? <laughs> See, I remember friends actually stealing glasses from bars, and one time one did fall on the floor, and oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know how he got himself out of it. But nonetheless, you know, that's a funny story. The Moscow Mules, for sure, would be something I'd like to enjoy sometime. But, you know, I want to go to kind of the final thoughts about this topic that we brought up, obviously, with all the unfortunate uh, things that happened to you, and it's, it's just putting it lightly, unfortunate things. Are just, it's, just, it's just amazing what you've been uh, able to power through. And like Ray Ferraro said off the top, the will, the work, the grit, like it just speaks to you, man, for real. And, you know, in Tucson, they retired your number, uh, and teammates and fans embraced you, right? Like, and having your number retired uh, is obviously, you know, you still like to be playing where you obviously could still be playing, but now I'll be on the other side and doing what you can now to get back to the game and be a part of the game, you know, to have your name recognized, be a part of that organization forever is, is just a treasure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had a couple guys say to me like, wow, well, they say, well, that's the least amount of games played and definitely the least amount of points I've ever seen to have a guy get his, na- his jersey retired by the organization. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it, it, what's that? <laughs> You do have the first goal history, and you still have the puck to prove that. So. Yeah, that's true. I guess any guy, every player that scores uh, the first franchise goal in history, uh, they should they should all get their numbers retired, right? Yeah, I agree. I <laughs> no, it was, you know, just a huge honor again. You know, it was, uh, you know, they did a, they put on a real special night for for me and my family and friends and doctors and nurses and um, just just a, uh, you know, after all the you know, the downs, right. And all the, you know, all the people that had been there for you in the downtimes, um, you know, now it was a, an opportunity to celebrate. So, um, it was a, 
you know, obviously a huge honor for me and, and my night, but it was, you know, it was more to just spend time with all the people that were around me and supported me through the whole thing. And, um, you know, special night for, for them. And, you know, obviously for me. See, just having your number retired is just fantastic. You know, like, yeah, maybe it was a le- uh, the one part of where you did not play as many games as some, but obviously, <laughs> as I mentioned, the puck in the first goal in history, period. And I'm going to start that survey, I think, as soon as we conclude this interview. I might throw that on the social media outlets. <laughs> like, whoever scores the first uh, goal in franchise history instantly gets their number uh, retired? Automatically. <laughs> like, automatically. I like it. You know what? Like, I, you know what? Then the people are going to be lining up to play for the Seattle Kraken. Okay, like that's going to people are going to be lining up playing for that team so they can be a part of scoring that first goal in history and have their number and name retired in there. Yeah, so, second home game and they already have a jersey ceremony up to the rafters. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but now you know what? Transitioning. Unless is there any final thoughts with you with yourself, Scott or Alex, before we go to our last topic? Yeah, I got one last question. I mean, you can just tell how how much you love the game of hockey. Did you ever consider sledge hockey? <laughs> you know what? I I did. Um, I I I did consider sledge hockey, and I actually met with the coaches at Coaching Canada when I was in Calgary. Um, but it just it just didn't like I I have a defibrillator um uh in in like in my body right so it's basically like a little shock box um that like sits right above my lat on my left side um and any sort of contact physical contact can you know make it malfunction and break and obviously is a very vital piece um if i ever get into trouble again that i have a shock box inside of me so that was kind of that was one and, and honestly guys the second part of it was like you know i played you know hockey you know from when i was four years old to when i was well, I think I guess I was 26 when I got injured, right? So I played for 22 years, you know, and I'd give my heart and soul to the game. And, um, you know, I just, I didn't have, to be honest with you guys, like a ton of passion um, to get involved in sled. Like I still want to try it and, and maybe I will gain a passion. But again, like the physical contact and stuff like that. But um, I, I kind of wanted to move on um, and, and find a new career and, and find a new passion. It's something that, you know, I'm going to be able to push myself for moving ahead, right? It's like, you know, what, what drives you every day when you get up, right? Like for me, you know, it used to be to become a regular National Hockey League. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. And now it's, uh, okay, you know, I, w- I want to get in the front office. I want to be a part of the front office. And, um, you know, so that's kind of the path now that, you know, that I'm focused on. And obviously life gives us lots of twists and turns. Um, so a long-winded answer. Yes, I did think about it. Um, no, I haven't tried it. And no, I right now I'm not thinking that I do want to do it. <laughs> Well, Craig, you know what? You, whether you knew it was going to happen or not, you became a role model for a lot of people. So keep doing what you're doing because there's a lot of people that look up to it. Thanks, man. Thanks. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I was lucky enough to have the role models I did in my life, right? And people to look up to. I feel like that's you know what gets you through the tough times is having you know people to that have already been through you know worse or or you know similar obstacles of you. So um, again. The reason I was able to get through it was uh, to navigate my way through this was, you know, getting in touch with, you know, amputees to people, cardiac survivors. And, you know, they gave me the confidence to, to move on with my life. And, um, you know, it's like pay it forward, right? <laughs> exactly. And honestly, it's just as Alex said. And I, I try not to be too corny or uh, get too complimentative uh, on state on points. But this has you have more than earned you know, the respect of everybody given so and your heart will, your great, everything is just fantastic what you've been able to power through after what you've gone through. Now, Scott, you know, I gave Alex last a question, but I didn't want to steal any thunder from you. Did you have anything else to bring up before we go to our conclusion? 
No, I think Alex said it uh, best, you know, Craig, you know, it's it's a very inspirational story, how you got through everything and, and you know, and your positive attitude now and what you're doing. So really has been nice to talk to you, get to know you and your story. And thanks for coming on our show tonight. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. It's always, uh, you know, it always gets... I always find it, it's kind of like weird talking about yourself all the time, you know, like it's like, oh God, people really want to hear this story anymore. <laughs> Dave, Dave does it all the time. You're, you're in good company. <laughs> See, and now getting to the point, uh, Craig, now this is where I kind of like to put some funny side of the interview with. You know what? I usually give uh, guests like for each whole course that we have, if they'd like to ask another like kind of yes or no or one answer kind of question but uh, sometimes it goes a little longer than that for you but so myself alex and scott are going to bring one random question forward uh for you to answer before we conclude so to get it started obviously our listeners know that the guests get asked these questions it might put you on the spot a little bit but if you went back to play uh and you had two line mates to choose from two wingers a center winger whatever it may be uh, who would be those two line mates that you would choose to play with from when you started uh, to your to your last day? Like if you had to choose uh, two line mates that you had that chemistry with, who would those two be? <laughs> well, you know what the two the two guys I'm gonna I'm gonna pick are are players that uh, you know I would have had the chemistry with them. I'm not sure they would have the chemistry with me. Um, but uh, <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly, I think Ryan O'Reilly is the smartest player in the National Hockey League. I think he makes everyone around him better. And he, you know, it would just be so luckily, you know, lucky and a privilege to play on his line um, and, and get put in some of the, you know, given some of the opportunities he gives his linemates. And uh, I think the second guy is, uh, you know, if you guys are Leafs fans, you might not like this answer, but Brad Marchand, um, you know, oh. just watching that guy every day, playing with him, <laughs> practicing with him, continuing to watch him today. Um, you know, what a talent, what a teammate um, and just another guy that I'd, you know, if I could, if I could build the perfect line for me, um, that's definitely not the perfect line for them, but that would be my perfect line. <laughs> See, it'd be obviously better, they say, better to play with them than against them, because if you play against them, yes, he'll burn you, but he'll also lick you in the face. <laughs> so I thought I'd throw that up there. Uh, Alex, over to you. <laughs> well, Craig, do you have, a, do you still have a favorite team? Because I know you were saying the Boston Bruins are a team you cheer for now, but if you move on to your career, you become, say, the GM or the president of a team. Is there anyone that maybe you could just drop a little hint for that maybe, cool. hey, Craig Cunningham's looking towards his team? <laughs> you know, I, I, I am, uh, you know, when it comes to like looking for work, um, you know, it's like to me, it's all about the opportunity, right? And the environment that you do it in. It's not necessarily team A or team Y um, that you want to work for. I think a lot of, you know, if you get the opportunity, you get lucky enough to pick somewhere. It's about the environment and the culture, I think, of the, the organization. And, you know, it's different, you know, working and then just playing, right? So so that would probably be be the one way I would answer that. Um, and then, obviously, you know, I, 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 you know, the Bruins, I always want them to do well. Um, you know, I, I love a lot of the guys there and, you know, just, you know, they gave me my start. They gave me my opportunity. Um, I think they do things the right way. So, so them and uh, the Vancouver Canucks, man. I grew up in uh, British Columbia, and uh, you know, I grew up in the days of you know Nasland and Morrison and, and Jovanowski and Bertuzzi and these guys. And I was a huge Canucks fan. And uh, you know, it's nice to see and what a great job they've done rebuilding that franchise and um, you know, you know, building themselves up to to two contenders. So. Um, those would be the two teams that I root for. Um, and obviously, yeah, I mean, you know, it's about opportunity for me uh, when, when I'm trying to, to lock in uh, a job here. 
I like that. See, Vancouver is such an exciting team to watch. And there's a fan base that if they lose, they riot. Literally, you know. <laughs> I was at that game, man. That was uh, in limited Vancouver at that time. That was uh, sure. Sorry, no, I wasn't at that game. Um, I had gone to I think game five. Um, but it was uh, one of the games four. But yeah, I was living downtown at the time, and uh, well, that was. Uh, <laughs> They don't, uh, they don't do it like Vancouver fans do, which is so – I love that. I know that's crazy to say that people are rioting and doing things. Probably not the right time to even say that. But just saying that the passion in that fan base is just amazing. You know, once you haven't won a cup in 50 years, you know, close – you know, around there, if not more, it gets to a point of annoyance. Uh, trust me, take it from a fan of a particular team that hasn't won since there was color television. So, you, you know, at the end of the day, that, that passion's there in Vancouver. To see that city win, oh, my God. <laughs> I, 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 I don't blame you for cheering for them. That's such, I got some relatives lived out there. It's beautiful in Vancouver. It'd just be great to see. Now, Scott, uh, over to you for the, the last bonus question, if you will. Well, Craig, since you brought up Moscow Mule, I thought this question would be very uh, fitting to end the show of being born in Canada, playing in America, currently living in America. I'm just going to ask a simple question. Who has the better beer, Canada or the United States? Oh, okay. <laughs> You know what? Um, <laughs> I, I got to say Canada. Um, I, I really, you know, Coconut, you know, like if you just want to go with the old, the brand name. Um, now, you know, it's all like, you know, with these IPAs and these craft breweries. Like, I feel like it's, you know, it's kind of the same everywhere. Like the United right. States has done an incredible job. And, you know, I mean, the, the world in general with the craft beers. But, you know, when it comes to the generic uh, brands, um, Coconese in Canada, I don't think anything rivals them for me. Uh, the beer. You know what? It's I agree. It's a lot stronger here, Scotty. We got stronger beers there than the, over there in America. <laughs> I'm drinking your beer over here, my friend. That's all right. Yeah, you can always make up for it. You just got to have a, you know, one or two extras over here and when you're in the United States to, to kind of match <laughs> the output of in Canada. So there's always a strategy involved. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, before we wrap up everything here, Craig, I, I know you have Instagram, you have social media. I wanted to give the opportunity to you uh, to plug out fans, how they can follow you, how they can, you know, keep track of everything that you're doing now. Uh, the floor is yours with uh, social media kind of platforms, with platforms you're on, et cetera. Yeah, okay. Let me uh, – that's a great question, man. I, I wish I was better at this stuff. Um, my <laughs> Instagram is uh, craig.cunningham14. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I gotta be honest guys, like it's, uh, like my, my account gets cobwebs on it because I, I, I don't really use it. Um, I like to follow people though and, and stay up to date on things. And, and my Twitter is just at heart Craig. Um, it's more of a, you know, the foundation Twitter and, and things like that. So those are my two, uh, platforms that I'm on. Um, again, uh, I'm not overly active, um, but, um, I'll try, try and do my best to, to, give some people uh you know uh, a snapshot of what it's what uh, of my life but um you know really it's not that interesting to be honest <laughs> oh that's you know what i had you on instagram that i just followed but i went on twitter just now when you were talking and just followed you just so you know i'm not gonna say that <laughs> you're talking i just gave you the search and did it so i could say that it was done prior to uh the upload on twitter <laughs> all right i'll try and uh, yeah i'll try and dream up of a of a nice uh, a nice tweet to send out in the morning just uh Try and get my followers up. You know, I feel like that's today's world. <laughs> 
put uh, you know something funny out there about you know maybe a little chirp towards a particular hockey team, you know that like maybe the Leafs or something. I need to wake up. And get this I would season. never. I, I I don't use my social media platform uh, to talk to talk hockey. I just there's too many variables, man. There's too many. Uh, I've, I've been there, been in those rooms, and I've had success and not had success, and um, yeah. would, you know that's that's not <laughs> you know I'm not quite into that uh, part of it. <laughs> that's the way to go. Yeah. Now wrapping up everything, Craig. I want to say thank you very much. I know Scott uh, mentioned this to how thankfully he was going over the show, so I wanted to. Um, slide over to everything to Scott first, then I'll go to Alex, uh, then to me, then obviously you to say your appreciation to everybody. Cause I know you're going to get some extra smoke uh, blowing into you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Craig, it's, it's been great having you on the show. As, as Dave mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I had not known your story up until this week till Dave said that you were on here. And so again, uh, you know, it's very inspirational what you're doing and uh, keep up the good fight and the positive attitude. And thanks for joining us. Uh, awesome I'll, thanks man yeah it's uh yeah th- thank you <laughs> thank you for the praise and uh it, it's uh it's always uh it's always weird times when people they you know, praise you you're like oh i don't know if i deserve this but thank you, <laughs> you well do. then i won't praise you i'll say you suck but good luck getting a job <laughs> in the front office awesome <laughs> i appreciate that comment thank you <laughs> <laughs> like that alex i knew i'd leave that to you to say it i'll say flat out that yes i'm not gonna go too corny like, like everything we've done this whole show i I like Alex's comment the best there, but overall, just wishing you the best of luck going forward, man. Everything that's happened, we've talked about uh, on this interview, but just those next steps, you know, that everything that you're doing, you know, everything will pay off because that hard work, I'm a firm believer in that, and just good luck with everything going forward, and if we can have you on again in the near future, I'd kind of like to have you and Rob on together in the near future to talk a bit more about that 44 vision. It's just overall great because of what you being a part of that, uh, just just uh, everything that you've done. Thank you for doing this interview, but most particularly, good luck on everything going forward. Awesome, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, it was, was a lot of fun. So, um, you know, I'm not always the best that uh, I get rambling a little bit, but uh, always, always love jumping on here and, and uh, talking shop with the guys. See, and I'm also thankful for that you weren't in that game in Game 7 against the Toronto Maple Leafs, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that would have just, you, you would have just, like, my name would have gone across your... Uh, well, I mean, if I was in that game, I probably would have been, uh, I probably would have been glued to the white bench anyway. So, <laughs> if you were on there, I probably would have dived in there and said, "What was the energy on the bench? What happened? Did Michael Jordan's secret juice or whatever get on the bench? Like, oh my god!" <laughs> I liked it better when we were wrapping up rather than bringing up <laughs> all these memories, man. I love it. <laughs> Again. Again, I want to say thank you to Scott. I'll say thank you to Alex for you know, taking your time for the interview and the patience before uh, the upload as, you know, there was some issues on my end, quote unquote, as I was promptly on Dave McCaig time, as Scott would say. Uh, and nonetheless, uh, obviously, Craig, for coming on, it was overall fantastic. And you can listen to all previous editions of the Game Sports Show, in particular those special edition uploads on our website, as well as check it out on Spotify, Apple, Podbean, and Podtail platforms, as well as Facebook and Instagram. And, of course, the website, thegamesboreshow.com. And now, this is the first time Craig's going to hear this kind of introduction. You know, you might get some chuckles after we click the end record. I'd like to remind everyone to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bat, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah. Hi, it's Rob Shrimp from 44 Vision Hockey. 44 Vision Hockey is an online coaching platform for both boys and girls. The 44 Vision platform is a 360-degree immersive training model designed to help players achieve their goals. You can learn from the coaches who have all achieved from the highest levels in the game, all the way from NHL on the men's side to Olympic team members on the women's side. Check out our website at 44visionhockey.com. 
You have been listening to the Game Sports Show, powered by Gem. This edition of the game was brought to you by Compass Imaging Group and Demansky Office Interiors. We would also like to thank our other sponsors and broadcasting partners, part of the Game Sports Show family. ESPN 1400, Northern Superior Brewing Company, Sports Center Bar and Grill, Living Sisu, North Shore Sports and Auto, and Thrush Creative Co. Yes, he's a three, six, three.